Welcome to Healthy Churches ABNWT, a resource created by and for PAOC Alberta and Northwest Territories pastors and ministry leaders. The focus is on leadership development and congregational health. The goal is to help you reach more people. Visit abnwt.com for more information. Well, hey there, and welcome to the ABNWT Healthy Church Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Rabel, and we take some time every month to talk about issues relating to healthy churches. We want churches to be prevailing churches, churches that make disciples who make disciples. And so that's what we talk about on this podcast. With me today is Eric Dirksen. Eric is the president of Vanguard Bible College. Vanguard has been around since 1946 and has trained thousands and thousands of leaders for Christian ministry. We love Vanguard and all that they're doing. They're a huge benefit to this district, to this province, to this nation, and to the world. So welcome, Eric. Thank you. Really nice to be here with you. So tell us a little bit about the mandate that you have, the college has to train leaders for Christian ministry. Sure, we were we were founded by Dean Buntain in the district in 1946, and we have a twofold mandate. One is to train and equip pastors and leaders for our churches, and to uh, equip Christians who want to serve God in any capacity yeah. uh, in the ministry to which He calls them. So, so Vanguard was constituted uh, to fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, to send people to make a difference in their world, to be able to speak the gospel, uh, the timeless message in succeeding generations. Wow. So help us understand this generation of young leaders that you're currently serving and working with. Um, you know, just help us understand them. What do they need? How do they think? Uh, what, what is it that you're facing day to day at the college here? Sure. Uh, leader preparation is very different from what it was 20 years ago. There's so much less homogeneity in life and culture, which means that we share less of life together. Uh, we share less in common uh, with our neighbors than we used to. Uh, we also see the advent of complete secularism and absolute humanism in our world. And that makes gospel ministry today very different. Wow. Um, we're reaping the seeds that have been sown for 600 years uh, from um, enlightenment and modernity uh, into the industrial revolution, uh, into postmodernism, and all of those things have planted seeds in our culture. And the things that we're seeing in our world today and the dynamics that young people are living with are not things that we've defaulted to, but they've been specifically engineered into culture and into society. Uh, so young people today, we're witnessing that, that they live in a world that's removed the uh, existence of absolutes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The, the removal of absolute values, ethics, uh, truth. Uh, and they live in this amorphous world today. They come to us having experienced life with rampant skepticism. There's skepticism about everything. If there's nothing absolute, you doubt, you question everything that there is. Uh, so they've been subjected to voices of pluralism, subjectivism, relativism, pragmatism, and of course the dominant voice of humanism. Huh. And, um, and so many of these voices and influences have robbed them of a meta-narrative. They, 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 they've, they've, we don't teach that there's a big story. We don't teach that there's a big storyteller. And so they come to us you know, asking questions, who am I? Um, where am I going? How do I get there? How do I discover who I am? Uh, so we're answering some pretty basic questions about young people today. Oh. Uh, and so they're caught between that, that absolute humanism and secularism in the world today on the one hand. And so often they're caught between either uh, revisionism in the church, which is 
Things don't mean what they used to mean to some churches. They're changing what truth is, what the Bible says. Wow. That's revisionism. Um, or, or they're stuck with kind of an archaic reliance on rationalism. Uh, that that uh, uh, that was so influential uh, after the 1800s into the 1900s and prevailed in the church and in some of our churches still prevails, uh, but rationalism doesn't necessarily work very well with a postmodern world. Okay, and so they're stuck and in, in conflict, uh, trying to make the gospel real to the world around them. Uh, so what do they need? Well, I think first of all they need to look back yeah. and and understand how do we get to where we are today. Uh, how do I uh, comprehend my world uh, and and understand the world that is around me. Hmm. That leads us to a second need, which is to develop in our leaders a good cultural hermeneutic. How do I interpret the Bible in the culture today? Wow. How do I make it relevant for today? Yeah. Uh, it's not grandma's church today, and today's church is not going to be tomorrow's church. Right. And we yeah. need to understand that fluidity and change are the immutables of the world today. Yeah. That's just a reality that, that leaders and, and young people need to understand. Um, they need to understand that there's a big story. There is a big story. There is a grand design. God, not to, not to milk an old adage, but God does have an immense plan for the world, for people, for their character, and for their mission in life. And the, when the world robs them of the meta narrative, they're robbed of a very profound truth that God's written into His Word uh, and into creation. Mm. They need to they need to appreciate what something that the world avoids and actually wants to resist, and that's that Christianity is based on revelation. It is an otherworldly, out of this world proclamation and declaration. It is God's revelation of Himself, and. Um, the truth is that, is that the world's not very friendly to revelation huh. and d- dislikes the idea of revelation. And what that means, and it leads us to another need, is that they need to be able to articulate the truth in a world that is intolerant to absolutes. It is intolerant wow. to the idea of revelation. So they need huh. to know how to, in the love of God and with, with clarity, um, communicate to a world that is increasingly intolerant, not to God so much or the idea of God, but to Christ, to the cross, to Jesus, uh, to the historical faith. So, so learning to bridge that gap, learning to relationally communicate the gospel is a really urgent need. That leads me maybe to the last thing, and that yeah. they need to know how to make God's timeless truths relevant for today. They need to speak a language that their neighbors and their friends speak. Um, I'd say another reality of students today is that they're, and while they're more generally more transparent about this than my generation was, they often struggle with emotional uh, and psychological bag- baggage from yeah. the world. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, in particular, I'd say fear and anxiety, yeah. uh, things like depression, uh, panic disorder, um, other emotional struggles. And, and those things are all the result of this fragmented moral and philosophical world that's around them. It's just part of growing up in culture today, and we're all impacted by it. Yeah. It, it, it really touches all of us to a degree. And sure. to think otherwise is, is really to stick our head in the sound. Um, so this also impacts leader development. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a longer process. It's a more difficult and demanding process than it used to be. So that's kind of an introduction wow. to the world of young Huge. people today. Okay. So like 
they have all these things going on. How, how do they think? How do they process? Sure. Uh, so these are generalizations. They're not necessarily sure. descriptive of everyone. So these are the broad strokes. Yeah. I think one of the things we need to be aware of is that the, the Christian culture of the 1940s to 80s probably didn't service as well as we thought it should or would. Um, but for young people today, typically they think in story. Uh, and so we need to teach and preach in story. Right. Um, that's their framework. They're not so... My generation was typically more linear and rational uh, just because of the nature of education in my day. But story is transcultural, transhistorical. There's something very normative about story in history. And so we need to begin to understand that they think, they typically think in story. I'd say um, their values and morals and behaviors are often founded upon very powerful extra biblical influences. They're mm. very influenced by media and by their educational experiences that are that are so often post-Christian and and so often contrary to Christian values. They're very deeply influenced by social media, and they often possess a self-identity uh, that is that is built on social media image acceptance and conformity. Uh, that itself can lead to a fragility in mindset, which impacts the way that you think and the way that you process life and the world around you. Mm. One of the things I think maybe they struggle with is that they find it difficult to process the costs of Christianity, the costs of following Jesus and the costs of discipleship. And for many of them, I think they have a poorly formed theodicy, a theology of suffering. It's not formed very well. Um, and so strong spiritual formation is more urgent now than it ever has been wow. uh, in the development of leaders. Uh, and very often they're not equipped to take, as I said before, the timeless Christian truths, the timeless revelation of the Bible, make it relevant and real uh, today. Now, there are some advantages to this generation okay. in the way they think that yeah. I think we need to be really uh, aware of. Uh, they've been disabused of the promises of modernity, uh, capitalism, and materialism. And that's a really good thing. Right. Uh, I also find them to be very wonderfully cause-driven. And engaging that cause-driven mindset and mentality with the mission of God yeah. affords a tremendous opportunity for young people today. Uh, and they also grasp the social and cultural implications of the gospel uh, in, in, in addition to the personal salvific and eschatological impact, they understand that the gospel changes culture, changes the world. There's a social dynamic that's at play in their mindset that was different from my uh, generation. Wow. Um, I find them typically to be less risk averse uh, than my generation, sometimes more entrepreneurial, and they're, they're much less enamored with the comfort objectives than my generation was obsessed. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that sets them up well for success in ministry. So I have tremendous hope uh, and optimism for millennials and the generations after them. Yes. And we really desperately need postmoderns to reach a postmodern world. Yes. If we don't grasp hold of that, we're going to just shoot ourselves in the foot really badly. Um, perhaps one more observation on their thinking. Uh, yes. most, most of the children and youth and young adults in our churches today and in the world today uh, they've really had to face things in media, uh, in politics, and online, particularly pornography. Uh, they've had to face things that have had such a wounding effect on their soul and psychology. Uh, and it's everywhere. You cannot escape it. Um, they've had to deal with things, frankly, that 
lots of us at, at, as adults should never even have to deal with. Right. We've not been emotionally or psychologically prepared to deal with it. And it's left deep wounds and scars in their spirituality and in their psychology. This impacts the way they think and the way they're able to process life. And so we just need to be aware of these things yeah, as sure. we work with young people. So Eric, is there a leadership crisis in our churches? We hear the stats. Well, the, the demographics of our PUC leadership tells a story. Uh, around 50% of senior leaders in our churches and ministries are over 55. 56% of all active credential holders are over 55. Right. And two thirds of all credential holders which is about 3,700 total, two-thirds of them are over 50. Um, so if we project our desired growth as a fellowship, and what I mean by that is, is, is growing in the number of discipleship-making communities, mm-hmm. we simply will not be able to provide adequately leadership for our current, given our current demographics and preparation avenues. So while crisis might be a bit of a subjective term, sure. certainly yeah. the math right. describes an urgency that we will miss to our own peril. Um, a mitigating factor for that for me, not mitigating, but compounding yeah. uh, factor is the attrition rate of pastors. People that are entering into pastoral leadership and in ministry leadership, but they're leaving after a bad experience or disillusionment or difficulty or challenges. Um, so we need to both develop more leaders and we need to keep and foster the leaders that we have. So retention of retention. even young leaders are coming in. Yeah. They're there for three, four years. And then you're saying, yeah, they're, they're off to do something else. Okay. So they've had a bad experience. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about yeah. that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, our district has so many great current and up and coming leaders. Yeah. We just need to find a way to get more of them. Um, I do think it's a bit reckless to assume that when our church or ministry needs a pastor or leader, they'll just show up somewhere or we'll just get them from uh, somewhere else. Uh, The sheer numbers should disabuse us of that assumption very quickly. I think we need to be very intentional about growing our leadership pipeline. We need to be intentional. We need to make a leadership development strategy, monitor it, adapt it, and work collectively. Uh, We need to think about alternative routes for leader development, not dumbing down the educational and developmental requirements of leadership. Um, so, So I'm saying we need to make it as clear and straightforward as possible for leaders to be educated, trained, uh, equipped, and receive credentials with their fellowship. Hmm. Because, you know, Jeremiah, and, uh, leader development is not just for our individual churches. It is for the church, which is ultimately for the gospel, which yeah. is ultimately for the kingdom of yeah. God. And I think one of the values we need to adopt is that we have to invest in something that may not in this moment directly benefit us. Yeah but it will down the road. Yeah. It is an investment in the kingdom of well, God. That's kingdom mindset, it's isn't it? It's kingdom yeah. mindset, yeah. yeah. So talk to us about what leadership development actually looks like in 2019. What needs to happen for young leaders to be trained, equipped, and released mm-hmm. in ministry? That's a great question. And we're trying to get better all the time as a college in doing this. Uh, we know that leader development happens before, within, and beyond Vanguard. We don't have a corner on it. Yeah. Um, and our grads are not really ready for everything that leadership is going to require of them. So leader development is a lifetime journey for every one of us. And if it's not, it is the path to irrelevance. Right. <laughs> uh, but Vanguard College can do some things really well and we're striving to get better all the time. Um, we can do well at biblical and theological literacy and uh, appreci- giving our students an appreciation for the biblical meta narrative. So we've really redesigned our whole curriculum around that biblical meta narrative.
how the books and the themes of the Bible flow into that broad missional mandate behind the scriptures. Wow. Um, so Christopher Wright says that missions doesn't have a biblical basis, but the Bible has a missional basis. That's the context, really, of our biblical studies paradigm uh, at the college. That's cool. Um, Vanguard College can make a non-academic contribution in the personal, relational, psychological, and emotional maturation process of individual students. Right. It really is helpful to be in class, engaging with students, part of a community uh, that grows and builds and develops leaders. Uh, I think the third thing Vanguard can do for leader development is to help us understand our worldview, understand our world, create an informed worldview for our students and pastors and leaders. And the reason that worldview is so important because we always need to ask, how does the Christian mindset contrast and converge with a secular and exclusivist humanist mindset? We need to ask that question all the time. So good leaders know our world today. And its values, its driving ideals and philosophies, what makes our culture tick? Asking questions like, what are the voices in our world today? How loud are they? What are they saying? Who's listening to them? And not being afraid of them. Not being afraid of them at all and being able to appropriately and in the love of God, engage with those voices because we have a voice. That's cool. Um, Good leaders know how to lead in a constantly changing world. Uh, and that has to be built into leaders. That's just part of leader development. Yeah. It's not just fact. It's not just Bible and knowledge and theology. It's how do we lead in a constantly changing world. Uh, and so beyond that, we have to teach leaders and pastors to process, articulate, and help people understand the dynamics that are in the world today in culture, in context, in demographics, and in all kinds of social contexts. And then take that and be able to morph the methods of the timeless message into various modes without compromising the timeless truths of the scripture. Wow. So so a simple metaphor, pastors and leaders need to know how to dance to the music of culture without crossing theological lines. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of leader yeah. development. Yeah. Substantive learning, dynamic and process learning too. Yeah. Wow. God doesn't hate culture. We need to understand that because I think there's been generations of people that think God hates culture, yeah. but he doesn't hate culture at all. Um, and, he, and he redeems within culture and he redeems culture through people, through the redemption of people. Wow. Um, perhaps one last thing in terms yeah. of how, what leader development is going to look like. Um, I think we need, to, we need to really be discerning about uh, those in whom God is already at work. What is he already doing in their life? How is he preparing them? To what is he calling them? And then facilitating what God is doing. We can't take a cookie cutter approach to leader development. Right. But we need to learn from our students. We need to discern God's presence and God's working. So for instance, our enrollment team, when they're out there talking to prospective students, the very first question they'll ask every student, what is God doing in your life? What's God teaching you? What's he laying on your heart? How is he leading you? And then we then we enter the journey about how Vanguard can come alongside. And does that kind of go back to the idea of story? Yeah, like the, it does. Like they're kind of leading, they're, they're part of the story and now they're kind of engaging with God's story and plan for their life. Is that, That's right. So, yeah. so Vanguard comes alongside and says, look, here's how your story fits into God's story. Yeah. And there are things about your story that we can't teach you. You'll have to discover for yourself. Right, right. Um, That's very cool. 
I, I think we need to be aware of something. God is not going to fail to call enough leaders for his church. Amen. And we need to figure out where he's working, what he's doing, in whom he's working, and try and keep up to him. So how can our churches actively participate in leadership development of young people? I love that question. And I think our success depends on us as a fellowship and as a district able, uh, being able to answer this well. Yeah. I think we need to specifically identify potential leaders in the local church and affirm their calling. Mm. Part of that's preaching the call of God, that God will and does call people to vocational ministry. Um, our conviction is that God calls every believer, every one of his children, he's going to call to ministry. Not all are called to vocational ministry. Right. Um, so there are so many different churches, so many different contexts, cultures, uh, demographics, genres of church, uh, and leader development from within local bodies is a great focus for churches themselves. Contextual sensitivity is really critical. Uh, so I think God makes people to fit in some places, but not necessarily all places. Mm. And we need to be aware of that. Uh, some other things we need to be aware of is that we can't take the uh, path of least resistance to leader development. We can't take the quickest path. Three-year certificates, four-year bachelor's degrees, they are good starts wow. for leader training. Yeah. Um, but leader development goes way beyond that. And short-circuiting the developmental process will have really negative long-term consequences for wow. the church. The other thing we need to be aware of is God's not just calling um, younger people. Uh, to ministry, our average age is now the average age. And now, now listen, we're we're talking about lots of students who come in right out of high school. Our average age is about 23 years of age, which means we have lots of 25, 30, 35, yeah. 40 year olds who are engaging in theological education. So God's calling mid-career people, post-educated people to ministry, and we need to identify them and plan a route for them into ministry. Um, I think our churches can invest in development through Vanguard College because we can do things that the local church just can't do. Just like there are things that the local church can do that Vanguard can't do. We do very foundational work really well, but it's just not a finished product. Um, I'd say we need to break out of the single mode mindset for ministry preparation. And I think there's lots of routes that we can take to make sure that the basic essentials are accomplished. Uh, We can set up an apprenticeship model. Uh, That's a conversation that we need to have as a district and and utilize. Uh, I really love the four-year on-campus, immersive, community-based experience of coming to Vanguard. And for most young people, this is very efficient and very effective. But for others, there are other paths. I'm as interested in bringing Vanguard to people and to churches as I am in bringing people to Vanguard. Wow. Uh, Because God's calling mid-career, family-committed people who can't leave their job, leave their circumstances to come and uh, go for four years of college. So there are other paths. Um, Leader development, becoming a healthy leader ourselves, becoming a healthy church ourselves Mm. um, is so important because I believe healthy churches will identify, cultivate, and grow healthy leadership for themselves and for other churches. I think we need to give new leaders a great ministry experience right after graduation. Avoiding bad experiences for new leaders is really important. Uh, One of the things, because of our aging demographic, 
we have the opportunity for so many mature and experienced leaders to mentor younger leaders. Um, they have so much incredible experience and insight and capacity to lessen the learning curve of young leaders and coach them in difficult situations. Um, mentorship by second chair mature leaders who are comfortable letting others succeed and not being threatened by their leadership is going yeah. to be really important. And what that means is we need to give young leaders a um, ministry opportunity. They need a chance to lead and the opportunity to risk failure when they take risks, right. when they make decisions. Yeah. Uh, we can't fear being outshone by a younger leader. I, I think we should want younger leaders to outshine us. Um, and we can't keep them in managed portfolios. It frustrates them and either drives them somewhere else or drives them out of the ministry. You know, all of these cultural things we've talked about, all yeah. the cultural dynamics, all of the influences in culture, all of the psychological ills and the baggage and the pain that people are immersed with, the Bible, the gospel itself has an answer. And so young leaders that have experienced the redemptive power of the gospel in our culture are our best success for communicating that gospel to a hurting and broken well, thank you so much, Eric, and thank you for joining us. Please share this with your team and anyone who would benefit from this conversation. Our goal is to help you reach more people. Until next time.